0: beauty of that story other people's perception of you ain't none of your business everything you've ever been through set through rose through cried through prayed through everything is a setup for your next best season
1: i wonder if this is what normal people feel like
2: well like eleanor roosevelt
1: said well-behaved women rarely make history And nothing says mental health um, podcast live, like, say, starting with, I drank a whole bottle of wine.
2: Hey, everybody, welcome back.
3: Welcome back to another week of Bipolar Girl with Rebecca and Steven. We're excited to be with you another week. We've made it through another week, but not without its challenges. Hmm. (laughs) To say the least, right, hon?
2: To say the least.
3: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, before we even start, honestly, I think, you know, I think it's important for us to, like, just kind of, like, take you through... Uh, Sunday night. You know, I felt good. It was sh-
2: really the afternoon. It was
3: the afternoon. The, you know, the show went out. We were able to listen to the Queen's tribute. I did. I felt really good about it. Um, uh, you know, and we said, let's put together the pizza oven.
2: So Stephen bought a pizza oven
3: for our youngest.
2: Oh, Stephen bought a pizza oven for him, but the story is is that Stephen bought a pizza oven for our youngest birthday party that's coming up in the first of October,
3: right? Because he
2: loves pizza, and that's going to be what we make,
3: right, for the party. And, and look, you know, I thought like we could have all kinds of parties. These kids have you know, have had some really cool parties. And I thought, well, what the heck, let's just go ahead and get a wood-fired pizza oven. And I found one that we could afford, but it just needed to put it together. Uh, So we did. Uh, A friend of ours was in town and we put it together. And so we set it up and lo and behold, you know, we bought some fire starters, right? That had solvents or had like
2: Gas. Gas on it. Something.
3: Well, let's just tell you I put three in there. And then as the fire was going, we were trying to, it died out a little bit and I said, well, I'll just put a few more, a little more uh, lighter fluid on it. And then Rebecca says, here, you know, picked up the lighter and she went to go just light it for me. And it
2: All the flame came out at me.
3: Oh my god, I freaked out. I mean it was was
2: too much fuel and not enough space for the fire to go, so it came out.
3: I mean it's an upright, right? So it's kind of vertical. So it like it doesn't have much space for like wood and for you know. Mm -mm. So when it's It's not like a barbecue grill, it's more like a smoker. It's more like a smoker. So like it's even smaller than a smoker. That's true. And, and all of a sudden I'm sitting here, she's screaming and all, and I I looked in, no, you, well, you did your scream. You're not, (laughs) I mean, you're not, you know, are you, you know, screaming like you're on a 1950s horror movie? No. But you did your screen. I
2: made a sound.
3: You made a sound, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it scared everybody. It scared everyone. And then she went. We 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 tried to put we put ice on it. We so tr- we
2: I spent three hours icing it and putting it under cold water, and just trying to get it together. And it it was funny because the um. I would put the ice on it and it would hurt. And I was like, okay, it's hurting because the ice is too cold. So then I would put like a towel in between the ice and my hand. And then it wasn't cold enough and my hand hurt. So my hand hurt, whether it had ice on it or no ice on it, it just hurt. And Steven wanted to go to the ER. He wanted to go to the ER. I kept saying no. I spent three hours trying to solve it by myself. He went with our friend to the pharmacy to get like burn cream and stuff. And um, I had put my hand back under the water and I saw it start to blister. And it was blistering all over the place. And so I I called Steven and I was like, yeah, we got to go to the hospital.
3: So we race back home and I get Rebecca. We go to the local emergency room here in the county for which we live. And let's just say, I mean... You know,
2: Stephen didn't like the front desk ladies, but they were very helpful in the actual ER.
3: The 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 front desk individuals were not the nicest people. I had to give them the excuse me, strong excuse me because because I couldn't believe I had to almost become a Karen, right? You know, like little Karen, yeah. Because it was like I can't believe you're talking to me this way. We're in, you know, we're in Frederick, Maryland, and I was just like, I can't believe you're talking to me. But right at that moment when I got the excuse me. They and called me back. they called her back, so we go on the back, and everyone was lovely there and uh turns out she has what second degree
2: I have burnt about Melanie. Here. I have burnt um somewhere around thirty five to forty percent of my hand has second degree
3: burns on it, right, and this has not been i mean it has not been fun um you know. For either one of them, because we stayed, first of all, we stayed all night in the emergency room I yeah, was not happy about that It's on
2: the back of my hand, but it's also a lot on my fingers So, like, I can't bend my fingers um, I can't straighten them, and I can't, they're like, I don't know, I can't make a fist And so, like, I can't grasp anything, and I can't hold anything And it so happens that it is my dominant hand
3: it's her dominant hand, and it's been. She, the, my poor wife. She's just struggled this entire, this entire time, all week all week she's just she's had a she's a rough go
2: i don't like to not do things
3: no she sat around and you know and she's just been in a space and it's been an all weird kind of space but nonetheless after the show tonight after we record this show we are going out to eat so i'm gonna get her out of the house but she hadn't she couldn't work she couldn't do anything
2: i did work i worked all week and you fussed at me i took today off
3: well, she wasn't effective with her work. No, I wasn't effective.
2: I was there. I can't. <clears throat> I can't type. I can't use a mouse. I'm right. I'm. I'm typing like a third grader, like with my left hand, hunting and right. peck kind of thing. So I can't.
3: Right. Do much. And all of this at the right the same time. Like you know, <laughs> I mean, my mother's got her stuff going on. My family has stuff going. I mean, it's like, oh, I need a Calgon moment. So suffice it to say, I'm looking forward to the end of this month when we go back up to the Vineyard, even though it's going to be more work than anything, but at least I'll be in the Vineyard and it's change of scenery. The
2: end of next
3: month? Oh, the end of next month. That's fine. Yeah, that's, that's perfectly fine. I, I just, I can't, month. I just absolutely cannot wait to take a break, and it'll be quiet up there. There'll be no one up there, hardly. So, um... You know, I'm looking forward to that. I definitely need a break. And, by the way, I do have an announcement. I have a grand announcement. I should probably, I should probably. Oh, God, you're
2: going to do an effect. I'm going
3: to do an effect. What is, what what, what is the one, uh, I don't know. Is there
2: a drum roll?
3: Beep, 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 beep. No. <laughs> All right, whatever. Like, who cares about the sound effects? Oh, there is cool. a drum roll. There's Good a drum, drum roll. roll.
2: Now do your announcement.
3: I am getting my first tattoo.
2: Oh, you want to say that out loud?
3: Yeah, I'm getting it because I'm proud of it. Like I
2: know, but you haven't told anybody.
3: Well, let me just tell you. Okay, So when I lived in Orange County, California, the first time I lived in Newport Beach and my buddy Jay and I we used to go over to Balboa Island. It's right close by. And so I was looking for ideas to get a tattoo then. So I'd go to Wilma's Patio, everybody who knows Orange County, California, all the California listeners out there. I went over to Wilma's Patio. I love sh- uh, Sherry who's the owner and like we'd go down and eat whatever and we have fun. I go across the street, there's a little shop and they would sell like Mexican themed like tables and things, really high-end handcrafted stuff. So I was looking for funky designs to like really get on my arm at the time so i started like talking to the owner and i was just you know just kind of talking and whatever
2: and the white woman white womaned
3: yeah. I mean, I hate to, I hate to, you know me, I, I'm not that person. Like, but seriously, she looked at me and she honestly said, I mean, this was unprovoked. She said, what black person do you know looks good in a tattoo? Steven, you are classy, you articulate. And if you get a tattoo, you're going to look like a thug. I mean, it was the first you're time.
2: You're one of the good ones. Don't mess it up. Don't
3: mess it up. And I was just like, "Whoa!" And Laces. literally, okay, this was this was probably two thousand and three, um, and two thousand two, two thousand three. It was before I was married, um, and I went back home, and to this day. I never, but when Rebecca got her Martha's Vineyard tattoo on her ankle, it just looked super awesome. So I'm going back when we go back to the vineyard. I'm going back up with the same artist, and I'm getting Martha's Vineyard put on my calf. the
2: The outline of it's the map of Martha.
3: It's the map. It's not the word. It's not the word, but it's the map. It's really (laughs) cool. So that way, you know, he's going
2: to look like buy one get one. He's totally copying
3: i am totally copying you but i'm like <laughs> but i think it's my first tattoo so i'm pretty happy it's that
2: yeah no it's gonna be exciting yeah
3: i mean you know honor five generations family on the vineyard i can honor he doesn't them. do pain well i don't do pain well and i can't drink and i can't do anything so i'll have to sit there and hold her hand we
2: can get you numbing cream
3: that's true all right i hope i can make it through it either way you melanie can- i think we want to invite melanie in is yeah. she in
2: no she's not in she's not a speaker yet
3: well she so- you know, she she accepted as a speaker she said
2: she's not over
3: there oh she is not over there um what's going on melanie so this
2: week well, we hold on. have well hold
3: on not yet we got to put our interview um, of the week music
2: okay so this week we have i'm gonna say your name wrong melanie hutzel and she has written um a novel called the book of susan and we're having her on to talk about it yeah if I'm, we can get melanie
3: on. yeah i'm pretty excited about you know this week this is a fictional book but yet i believe melanie has lived experience with mental illness right yeah
2: okay we're gonna invite you as a speaker melanie i think you have to click on the ad invite
3: yeah, yeah and, and melanie everyone has this problem for some reason if you there
2: can... you are melanie is a speaker now why are you not a speaker
3: what i'm saying like i Melanie, are you with us?
2: No, she's not over.
3: You might have to download the app or something.
2: Okay. Hang on. An easy way to do this is do you see an option to call in?
3: Yeah, there should be an option to call in. But anyway. But yeah, so as as we try to set up and... um. Oh, look, there's Amy D. Is Amy joining us this week? No, Amy's supposed to be on next week, but we can have her in. Yeah, come on, Amy. Come jump on. You got to jump on, too. Since you're listening, you might as well just come on to the show. Uh Uh-oh. Not
1: interrupting. I was just going to listen just to see what was going on.
3: No. (laughs) Hey, it's a Friday night party. No, It's really good. I'm glad you jumped on. I love it when it's impromptu. Um, yeah, we're trying to get Melanie on and like she you know she is accepted, but like she's not transferring over to the space where she should. Yeah. And she may have to download the app or anything, but anyway wh- while she's while she's getting it together, hey, what a cool show last week, Amy,
1: yeah, so that was pretty intense learning about the prescribing psychologist. I didn't w- I just wanted to throw that out there as part of our introduction to Derek, and then we just kind of rolled with it for a while.
3: yeah, we did,
1: and then um talking about the better help and the different concerns and know what can be done by the big professional societies to preserve it as a resource for that niche that it it fills but still make it safer
3: it's so cool and you know what 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 are your colleagues saying about the show has anyone listened to it
1: a few people um so yeah they're they're kind of like really excited um i'm hoping you know maybe we can get more prescribing psychologists listening
3: well, I can tell you that mm-hmm. a lot of them have retweeted, and, and the numbers are, yeah. it's like one of the top shows already. Nice. It's only been out one week.
1: Very nice.
3: Yeah, I mean, and it's, you know, it's it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty cool.
1: I can't wait to tell Derek that, and he just emailed me the other day when I was emailing him about something else. Um, He would love to be back on. He had a great
3: time. No, that's good. That is good. So, as we try to get, let me tell, what do you want me to type,
2: honey? There's a right now
3: a call-in option yeah I definitely want to get like um um
2: well I will while we're dealing with this here okay so I will (laughs) read the back of Melanie's book she is a native of East Tennessee a poet and a novelist she has been learning to live with bipolar disorder for more than 15 years and she is still um in Tennessee Mm -hmm. so I've I've read the book it's a great book um The Book of Susan. Can we get her? I don't... Yeah. It keeps saying we're
3: connected. It keeps saying we're connected to her, but yet we do not see her anywhere. I'm hitting join now.
2: Yeah, that should be what works. Yeah, there
3: you are. Oh, it might be... There she is.
2: I'm so sorry. I hate this program.
3: No, it's sometimes (laughs) you have to... Well, it's the app. Amy, what did you tell... um, what did you tell uh, um, um, Derek last week about anything about how the- how, to, how to get on to Podbean? Because it- I
1: I didn't tell him anything. You sent him a link, and he got and it worked. So when we the app is on my phone. So when we send, okay.
3: Yeah, it's 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 weird. Yeah,
1: so I didn't have I to help him at all. I don't think.
3: Okay. Well, that's okay, Melanie. You know, sometimes it takes a little bit um, uh, to sort of get on if you are not used to the interface at all. Uh Um, Yeah. So, yeah. So I definitely want to see, you know, Dr. D get on Mm -hmm. again. It was a great conversation. It was. So, well, since you're here, how's your, Uh how's your, how's your book going?
1: I am exhausted. I wrote the entire first draft in seven weeks flat, and now I'm in editing. Luckily, there aren't going to be too many edits. It shouldn't be too bad. But like uh, last Sunday night when I finished the final draft, I Mm -hmm. mixed myself a whiskey cocktail and then poured it over a bowl of vanilla ice cream.
3: Yeah, I saw that picture.
1: That's the state I was in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do I want ice cream? Do I want a cocktail? Now we're doing both.
3: Are you, are you teaching as well this semester?
1: Yeah. I've got really good students this semester, two nice active groups.
3: Wow. And, and, and so have they, and, and have you been able to be responsive to them as well?
1: I've been doing my best. Um, it's easier. I feel like, you know, just those first couple semesters after the worst of COVID. When we were back in the classroom it was kind of awkward mm-hmm. just because like a lot of them had had college but was but it was entirely online and they're not knowing what to do with being in a classroom because the last classroom a lot of them were in was in high school wow so wow. kind of having to explain the whole college process to them in ways that i don't usually have to do but i don't mind it's all good
3: we were talking no 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 no, no not her we were talking about that in the office today. Do you want me mm-hmm. to click the invite? Yeah. We, we we were talking about that in the office today. There is an entire generation of people who have who have spent the last two and a half three years mm-hmm. in in on, I mean, online, and it was people right. starting school that way too. Uh-huh. Like they've never been in a classroom before, right? And they're entering for the first time. I mean, can you imagine? Like, <laughs> right. I couldn't. Do you have to teach etiquette, too, all at the same time?
1: uh, Somewhat. Mostly, I mean, they're good students. You know, they're basically they're functioning well in a classroom in that sense. I don't have students who are really troublesome in the discipline sense, which is lovely. Um, They're just kind of like they don't know how to handle things like in per, what's the etiquette of coming to in-person office hours? What's the etiquette of maybe you've got a worker, there's a family issue or something, and you've got to turn in a paper late, or um, what are the rules on masking on any particular day, just because here in Chicago, uh, the risk level just went from low to medium. Right. Which changed the school's masking um, requirements a little bit. That's me. One nice thing is that, um, City colleges, which is uh, where I teach, right. they they set up vaccine clinics. I mean, the entire time there were vaccine clinics in the school and COVID testing. So when this new vaccine came out, um, like within a couple of days, there was a list of okay, if you want to get your vaccine free through the school, um, here's the times when the different schools will be open and there'll be vaccine clinics.
3: And, wow, that's pretty good. Uh huh. Has there been any pushback or any, like, parents complaining about indoctrination, (laughs) some of the mess you hear? Not that I know of.
1: I mean, especially since it's a booster, it's all voluntary, but uh, we had COVID testing all last spring. I didn't hear a lot of complaints about it.
3: Right. Then I also give
1: grades, so I'm not going to hear necessarily all the complaints.
3: Right. No, that's true. And what about the students? Have anyone complained about, I mean, are they complaining about anything in terms of, like, vaccinations? Um, like, what, what's the mood of the classroom like?
1: Um, this semester, it's pretty good. It's a little bit more like a normal college classroom. Uh, summer, I was only teaching online, and but spring semester was our first time back since 2020 and so that could be a little awkward and defensive i think people like i said felt kind of out of place like not even COVID rules because the school was very very clear and very very strict about those to keep everybody safe but just how do you function in a college classroom what's different uh is anybody going to tell us like how this is different from high school and how we're supposed to act
3: right right and and Mm -hmm. where are you supposed to learn that i mean this is on chart you know
2: this is really interesting because we're going through this right now with sebastian because he's looking at college to have the same (sighs) rules that um high school had so like one day his hair was all messed up and he didn't have time to do anything to his hair and i was like you gotta put on a hat or something buddy he's like i can't wear a hat I was like, what do you mean? And so he put on a hoodie. He's like, do they have rules about hoodies? I was like, what do you mean rules about hoodies? He's like, well, we're not allowed to wear hoodies in, in high school. And I was like, nobody cares what you wear. Like, as long as you're there and paying attention, they're not going to care if you have a hoodie on.
1: So, you like, know, that's definitely my these, classroom.
2: Yeah, they put all these weird restrictions on them in high school saying that they're going to, you know, prepare them for the real world. And then you mm-hmm. get into the real world and none of those rules apply
1: right like who actually requires you to get a bathroom pass
3: right <laughs> yeah that's the other
2: thing it's like nobody nobody's gonna do that
3: you're like uh miss amy can i go to the restroom Yeah, just. Do the i literally
1: have to have that conversation i keep forgetting to tell them on the first day but like if you need to go to the bathroom you just do what you need to do Oh, there are no like I, I literally have to tell them there are no hall passes you're in college now if you need to go to the bathroom you just go right ahead
3: Right. Hold on. Just for pause for a second. Melanie, can you, if you talk into your microphone, like maybe can we hear you? Or can you hear us? Because it says you accepted the show. We may have to, you know, we may have to triage. We may have to pre-record this during the week and just play it in its entirety. um, Mm. Or record. You know, we we could record tomorrow. Um, Mm and and then just uh yeah we, we we could record tomorrow and we'll just play the clip um you know after this and we can actually merge the two shows together mm-hmm. i'll just cut it
2: maybe we should do a zoom
3: yeah we'll do a zoom We'll do a Zoom. So, anyway, yeah. So, yeah, that's amazing that you have to tell grown people, like, yes, you, yes, Johnny.
1: Because you. they've been trained. Yeah, right. Their whole lives. And right. see, that's so core to the way I teach is like, okay, what do I value more, obedience or learning? And you really have to pick that apart as a teacher because I went through the same stuff they did. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. with the different funky rules in um, high school. In fact, I had a science teacher who swore that male and female parts were different enough that women were allowed to go to the bathroom during class and men weren't because he felt like (laughs) men's biology was different enough that they could control it or something like that.
3: Ah, you know, I didn't know that was true. I'm glad. I'm glad he just taught us this. Who was this old wise professor or teacher?
1: I don't know, but he was a science teacher.
3: (laughs) That was (laughs) what makes it worse. Oh no. Yeah. Um,
1: (laughs) but especially in high school there's so much that's about prioritizing obedience over learning well and then
3: it, but then but then also it gets more complex than that too mm-hmm. cuz like then sometimes if you're in an environment where the kids are not well behaved mm-hmm. or you know like well, right. how do you balance this sense of well i want to prepare you for freedom and make good mm-hmm. independent decisions to Oh, I need to control this classroom because a right. gang fight could break out. You know, it's it's. I mean, it's hard. It's it's a hard balance.
1: Right, and I have the luxury of not having to do that because problems like that are pretty rare at my school. And this is like an inner city Chicago community college.
3: Wow, no, um, that's, that's cool. Is is it diverse, or you know? Oh what's yeah. It like? Okay.
1: Um, I mean, it's geared towards, um non-traditional students, so people of traditional age, but maybe who've never traditionally been considered college material. Sure. Um, Lots of older students. I literally know of at least two people with paranoid schizophrenia and two people with dissociative identity disorder, which is multiple personalities who have actually graduated from our school.
2: That's amazing.
3: Did you teach them, the ones, at least the ones with multiple personalities?
1: A couple of them, yeah.
3: So how does it, okay, so then how does it present itself in the classroom? Like, what happens when, I guess, the other personalities Uh present? Like, how do you manage that in the classroom? And what if one of them is disruptive?
2: And another question, what if they, like, don't remember it if they disassociate?
1: Well, there's different kinds of dissociative identity disorder. So what you see in the movies where there's like several truly distinct personalities is only one form, it turns out. And this is kind of new information, Um, like the last few years, but a lot of times it's more diffuse, where they're not quite as distinct personalities, they might show up as just dramatically different moods, somebody with multiple different nicknames as opposed to true different personalities with different names. Sometimes it's just a diffuse sense that you are who you are, but you have different identities that kind of switch in and out, but they're all you. They're all one person. They're just different sides of you. So I think the students I had were from the type where it was more diffuse. There was either one central, not a central identity, but it wasn't the distinct. Okay, this is Steve. This is Jane. Um, this is somebody else over here. Kind of multiple personalities.
3: So it's more or less. It's more or less what we see in Hollywood is not the norm. Is probably what I'm saying. Not necessarily.
1: It's only one type of dissociative identity disorder. Um, okay. So people might come in in sort of dramatically different moods or dramatically different attitudes one day, Um, sometimes there's like a central personality who kind of manages everything and sometimes there's not, but I honestly never had a problem with them in my class. Um, And there was one where I was teaching personality one semester, Um, and there was actually a person with dissociative identity disorder in there, so we got to talk about that in context because that person volunteered the information. That wasn't something I knew before. But it's kind of typical in psych classes. There's very often going to be somebody who has a certain problem and they themselves decide to share it with the class for some reason, which is great for all of
3: us. That is great. Great insight. Melanie, I have to ask, did you download the app, the Podbean app? Because that will help you. Yes. Yeah, I don't. Not, I must be technology. It could be some technology issues we're having tonight. I'm so sorry. We'll try to get you back on so you can promote your book. Um, it's on the phone.
2: Yeah,
3: yeah. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, it should. It should be working. Um, I, you know, maybe it's just something going on with the technology. Night. We mm-hmm. will. My so deepest apologies. Um, we owe you one, and we'll we owe you one. We'll reschedule. What? That
2: sounds so
3: callous. That's no, not callous. I'm being honest and sincere. I know. It's it's not fun. And she has things to do. She blocked this time and, and it's not working. And I'm, I'm so sorry. It's, I mean, it seems to be working on our end. That doesn't mean it's working on everyone's end. I don't know what else to do. I know okay. you're frustrated too. So, I mean... You know, it'd be interesting, Amy, to talk, to, to, to kind of compile like the history of individuals with mental illness in the classroom mm-hmm. and come up with like some sort of like chicken soup type, you know, stories of things that have happened in the classroom if it was, if it's that, if it's worthy that.
1: If it really would, it really would. Cause like for me, part of it would be the ethics of it though. Um, either, either couldn't use my own, I definitely couldn't use my own current students because there's pressure there, not just grades, but things like I can still write them recommendations. I can still give them job leads in areas where maybe, you know, someplace I used to work that might be willing to hire them and stuff like that. So, um, Mm -hmm. I'd have to be careful to go kind of outside my school, which might, unless I just went to like other Chicago city colleges where they have similar student demographics, but none of whom have ever met me, that might work. Right. The hardest part about that would really be managing the ethics around it, I think. But it would yeah. make an amazing book.
3: We just talked about the ethics, eth- being ethical last, last yeah, week. Last week. Yeah. <laughs> so um, do,
1: your, do your students like
2: disclose this to you?
1: Uh, sometimes yes, sometimes no, uh, sometimes privately. Um, just to let me know what's going on with them. For example, you know, somebody will disappear for a month and either they or somebody in my family will email me like, hey, they're in the hospital, it's a psych thing, let us know what paperwork you need. And I'm like, you just do what you need to do and I'll catch them up when they get back or somebody will be gone for like a month and then come back and email me and look, I'm sorry, I was in the hospital with depression. Uh, Is it still possible for me to get caught up? And then sometimes we'll just be having a discussion in class about something, especially in my abnormal psych class, and somebody will just decide to say, hey, you know, I've had this experience or I've had, you know, this particular mental health problem. Here's what I found.
3: Right. Uh Uh-huh. Right. No. And, you know, for... for for whatever re- hold on just a second amy i'm sorry yeah, she's no. added as an admin but it's not populating but it's 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 well, the frustrating part is that amy got on with no problem
1: yeah i just uh, tried to log on as a guest just to listen in cuz i thought it sounded interesting yeah and then yeah. you were able to put me in
2: maybe if she logs out and logs back in i don't know
3: I mean, uh, Melanie, you can try logging back out and try logging in just using the link as a guess, but it says Melanie's call ended, but I don't see her anywhere, which is, this is...
2: Yeah, she's ended. She logged out.
3: Yeah, it's the strangest, it's the strangest thing, because, I mean, I don't know if it's something... There she
2: is. Invite her as a speaker.
3: Yeah.
2: There she is. She's connected.
3: There you are.
2: Can you, can you speak to us, Melanie? Because you, it says connected. Can you hear me? Yes, yes, we got oh
3: it my, figured out. Oh my gosh! Sometimes the technology is fussy. I'm so sorry, Melanie.
0: That's okay. I I mean I had done it once before, and it, I mean I went through the exact same process before.
3: That's right.
2: so crazy that it didn't work. I, I mean But so, so, you're here now. Yeah, I did Amy, it three times.
0: Might... I'm sorry.
3: Amy, you might as well join in on a conversation when, okay. as we talk about her story. Uh, um, a- Amy um, Dr. Amy Doremus is one of our co-hosts um, Melanie and we didn't she wasn't scheduled this week, but she was she had time and she was around and she, she was, won she really yeah she she was
2: gonna be a creeper and just listen in. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> she really thought your well, show I help book-
1: host the show. I should probably know what goes on on it.
3: yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly
2: so melanie why don't you i i read your little bio but why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners
0: okay um well my name is um melanie k hutzel um i am from tennessee um i have been learning to live with bipolar disorder for a little more than six uh, a little more than 16 years um and my second novel, The Book of Susan, uh, was published um, a little earlier this year by Paraclete Press, um, and um, I'm thrilled to get to be on here, and I'm extra thrilled, especially since it's taken so long to get on here tonight. <laughs> I'm really sorry about all of that. I don't, That's know, okay. I mean, I don't know what in the world I could have been doing, because each time I clicked on the link in the email, and it said I was coming in and so i don't know but um
3: that's okay
0: we got you now so
3: yeah and you know and sometimes you know we probably should tell people who don't have if you're not on an apple to use google chrome because safari won't necessarily work no she has the
2: app but it's fine oh we're she has here. the app
3: now, yeah it now. must have been an app issue melanie don't worry about it at all oh it God, gave us yeah, time I to definitely. talk yeah 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 so, so you know, why don't you to tell us more about you and your journey
0: So you've
2: had it for, you've been diagnosed for 16 years now, you said?
0: Yes, 16 going on 17, yeah.
2: Okay, okay. Um, What was the journey like for you getting diagnosed? Uh,
0: Well, um, there was probably about 10 years there where I was probably um, quite bipolar, but didn't have any idea that that's what was going on. So, you know, it probably took about 10 years to get to a point where I was seeking a diagnosis. But honestly, okay. if you look back at my, you know, my childhood and my adolescence, there were probably a lot of telltale signs of um, either like, I don't know, nascent bipolar disorder or pre-bipolar disorder or whatever. Um you know, long before. I mean, I'm. You know, there. I've. You know, in. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. You know, so. Yeah. You know, there, 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 there were, there were a little, you know, little things here and little things there that were probably big clues. But of course, um that was a different time and that was a different generation. And I mean, honestly, I don't even know back at that time if there was a lot that was known about, like childhood bipolar disorder or like, or like, you know, like early onset or anything like that. And, um, even though I was originally diagnosed with bipolar two, which was later changed to bipolar one, which is still probably not exactly right because I think that my mood episodes tend to be shorter than like classic BP one. Um, And because of that, I don't know how much was known at that time about people who had, like, more non-traditional forms of bipolar. Like, I don't even know if BP2 was a thing, for example, or rapid cycling was a thing at that point. So, I don't know that it would have been caught earlier, if that makes any sense.
2: Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, it does. So... The book of Susan um, is about Susan, of course, and her journey with being diagnosed with bipolar. Is it somewhat autobiographical? It? Yeah, yeah. Can you say that better? Oh,
3: yeah. Is it somewhat autobiographical in 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 you know in the story, or is this a completely creative um, tale of a of a person?
0: Well, I, it's, it's, uh, probably somewhere in the middle. Um, there, there are certainly are autobiographical aspects to it. Obviously Susan has bipolar. I have bipolar. Um, we have some things in common. We have some things that are different. Um, I think that I did draw, um, pretty heavily, particularly about her bipolar, her journey um specifically her bipolar journey um mm-hmm. probably mirrors mine in a lot of ways she's i mean you know we're not you know she has some other characteristics that are that are different from from mine, but i mean i I probably do pretty heavily on my own experience in in dry, in writing that part of the story because i mean i when I sat down to write this book, it was really important to me I wanted to write. Um, a work of fiction about bipolar and I wanted to write it in the first person from the point of view of the person who um, receives the diagnosis because I don't know of another book that is like that. Um, And um, so um, when I sat down to do that, I, I wanted to create something that was not, sensational, and that was not lurid, but was something that was honest and something that was realistic, um, and so, you know, I thought, you know, in order to do that, I'm, you know, I mean, you know, there, there's two ways to go about doing that. I could either, you know, approach it from a, you know, a research point of view and go and do a bunch of research to try to, to try to, you know, build that, Or I could draw from my own experience, and I I chose to do the latter.
3: It seems to be that, you know, as you began to sort of compose this this work, um, in a sense, it's almost like when you're in therapy and you're using puppets to (laughs) explain trauma. So it seems to me that, like, perhaps this was a great way to sort of tell sort of your story um your your bipolar story without necessarily directly correlating it with you directly does that make sense
0: some perhaps um some and and there's and there's probably some truth to that i did um early on have this idea for writing you know uh in, in the years after i was diagnosed um, had an idea for writing about my experience and how did I want to try to tackle this subject. And I thought about doing it as a memoir because you know there were a lot of um, bipolar memoirs that were get, coming out at that point in time. Um, I'm trying to think there was one that was called Madness. and there was one that was called, I can't remember the other one. One was by Maria Hornbacher, and I can't remember the other one. But they came out about the same time. This would have been in the like two thousand seven, two thousand eight, somewhere, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and I I I, I consider doing that, but I mean i I've always been more of a fiction writer, and so that was kind of the way that I wanted to come at. The material, um, and I was actually using a found story. Actually, so I mean, I I was I was basing the story off of off of like another story. So, um, but I, I um, was using that as the vehicle to to write about this. But um, but as far as you know, putting the the bipolar disorder part of the story in there that was, that was me drawing on my experience. But, but yes, um, there was a lot about the writing of the story that was therapeutic for me. There was a lot of um, 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 wrestlings that I had done with, um, you know, my, my diagnosis and, you know, my, my faith in the wake of that. And mm-hmm. so um, writing this book was one way of um, confronting some of that.
3: I hear you and did you go through did you go through sort of a period? I know that as you have you know a faith walk and then you have to have a science walk and, and they don't have to be mutually exclusive and they certainly don't have to be in conflict with one another. but oftentimes as someone who grew up in a faith family, I understand there's usually a push and pull between your faith and relying on medicine. Is that what you experience?
0: not for me. I mean, certainly there, there, there are, um, folks that, um, who that, um, correlates to their faith experience. Um, I, you know, I'm the daughter of an industrial engineer. And, um, so, I mean, I'm the, child of someone who is very scientific um and i mean i've always um i don't necessarily see those things as being in as much conflict at least for me um Mm -hmm. but uh so you know where I had the issue was less about that because I mean I'm I'm just such a huge I mean like like Susan uh, I am I am sort of a, a sort of a huge nerd and so um, which was which was a good thing because you know I was like you know I'm gonna have to take medicine for this and I'm not necessarily like I'm not necessarily like big into taking like a lot of medicine, but I understood that this was what I was going to need to do in order to be able to maintain stability. And that was something that I wanted. And so, because I'm such a, I'm such a nerd, you know, I have and always have, and I haven't, that has never really been an issue for me. Um, but more of the faith uh, issues um, were just, um, You know, trying to separate out, you know, what, what, what was faith and what was my illness, if that makes any sense. Um, It does. In a similar way to what Susan, I mean, and and, I mean that, and that some of that is, is autobiographical as her struggling with, you know, how much of my experience, my faith experience is, you know faith and how much of this is, you know, my bipolar. And, and that, that was something that I struggled with for, for a long time trying to um, come to terms with.
2: That is a big part of the story. Um, and it's an interesting part of the story. Um, one part that I found that struck me was when Susan is being invited to a, um, a self-help, like a, a group of, of patients of bipolar, a support group, and she just describes it as, you know, she's imagining people who are twitching and gashing their teeth and like drooling on themselves and just being, you know, crazy. Um, and how she can't even see herself being in the room, let alone being one of them. And I think that was interesting because we all kind of have to come to terms with what our idea of crazy is once we get determined that we are. Um, you know, it changes It changes your vocabulary it changes the way how you speak about you know oh that's so crazy or you're so crazy because it's like that can't
0: be it because that's who i am
3: right right
0: yeah i mean i yes I, i i specifically wanted to put some of those kinds of experiences into the book because um by writing about the book About this experience in the first person in a novel, that's a technique for trying to bring the reader along into the story and put them as close in the driver's seat as you can possibly put them without them actually necessarily, you know... (laughs) You know, without it being reality, that's as close right. as you can really come to putting somebody like mm-hmm. that in the driver's seat. And so I wanted them to walk through this whole experience like they were Susan. And so that's a lot of times what people, if they don't have ex- a experience of a family member or a friend or a spouse or a child or something like that. Then, then what they have, then their experiences, what they saw on, you know, Law and Order, and what they saw on wow. Criminal Minds, and what they saw on in the movie, or, you know, or what they, you know, and or and so there's, there's no, there's not another frame of reference, and you're exactly right. You've got to understand well what. You've got to come. You have got to you've got to make that your own in some way, and try to figure out. Well, if I'm this, then who am I and what is that? Yes, (laughs) Um, exactly. No, no. Both both pieces of that.
3: So, Melanie, professionally, are you a professional author, or are you sharing uh, this space with with another career?
0: Um, I am not a full-time writer. I have a, um, daytime job where I punch a clock, um, uh, during the week. Um, I, um, am grateful for that job because it gives me, um, a paycheck and it gives me health insurance, which is something that having my illness, I am very grateful to have. Absolutely. Um, I've yeah. had this job for, um, Um, just about as long as I've been diagnosed and I'm also very grateful for that. Um, My employer um, doesn't like the idea of me talking uh, about them in conjunction with my writing because they want to be like not associated with that and I respect Mm -hmm. that. So, um, So yes, I punch a clock, but that's probably about as much as I can say about it. Not that there's anything secret about it. They just, they just would prefer that I'm not. I understand.
2: Understand. Well, I will say that, you know, when you look up the book of Susan, it, what was it? It was a four,
3: 4.5 stars on Amazon.
2: Yeah. I mean,
3: nice. and,
2: and it was a good read. It was an easy read. I enjoyed it. Um, I think you all should go buy it and, and read it. Um, and yeah, it was a good story of, the first, like the first person perspective of going through bipolar.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's great. Now, Melanie, do you have family nearby or are you um, on this journey um, as a, as a, um, as a single person?
0: Well, I do have family nearby. Um, I, I, um I said i'm I'm originally uh, from uh, uh, East Tennessee, upper East Tennessee, which is the part of the state that borders Virginia. That's the area that I'm originally from. I am back in Tennessee now. I had lived um, you know after graduating from high school, I went to college out of state and graduate school out of state, and then lived in a number of states. Um, but, um, I did come back to this area once I was diagnosed in order to be closer to family. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was, that was one thing about, you know, post-diagnosis that I did give up uh, a little bit was, um, I mean, I still have, you know, my, my autonomy and everything, but, um, I, um, I just felt like it probably wasn't the best idea to be living far away from, from that kind of support, and so yes, I do have mm-hmm. have family that I mean they don't live like
3: real real close, but you know a couple of hours away or so. So um, sure, sure, no, no, and 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 thank you for being so candid. And you know, honestly, I um, you know, I I, I respect your journey, and I respect your ba- bravery, and I'm you know and. You know, and and I do respect the privacy of everyone else in your life. So um, but thank you for being so brave. Amy, uh, did you have any um any thoughts um as you were sitting there observing uh Rebecca's yeah. interview with Melanie?
1: Yeah, I saw um I saw the cover of your book. I haven't had a chance to read it and I didn't realize it'd be on tonight. I thought I would just be listening as as a listener, so I apologize for not having read it yet. But Apology. I've ordered um but it sounds really good, and I am looking forward to it. Um, oh, thank you. Is there anything in particular you would really like people to take away from the book that you want them to understand or think about?
0: Oh my, uh, many things. Many things. So many things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, would like people to know that people who have bipolar disorder are people too. Mm-hmm um, that bipolar disorder is an illness that is not a respecter of persons, Mm -hmm. um, that it, you know, it doesn't matter necessarily, you know, your background or whatever, you know, I mean, it, you know, it, if, you know, if if it, if, if it's coming for you, it's going to find you. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, and that's something that, I mean, you know, once again, you know, so often, I don't know, it just, it just, so often there are so many stereotypes um, in, um, on, on TV and in, Mm -hmm. you know, media and whatever about what, you know, coming from a bipolar background or whatever looks like. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, so I, I, I kind of wanted to um, try to, to create um, um, a character that maybe turned some of those expectations on its head and, and that sort of thing. Um, so that people, um, could, could, could get a better sense of, of, of what, of what the reality of that is like. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, I want, I mean, I, I really did want people to see that this is something that, you know, whether you have bipolar disorder or not, or, Are a friend or family member or someone who uh, uh, has that illness or not, that this is something that, I mean, it affects everybody. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It affects everybody. You know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's out there in society. And this is something that people should be aware of uh, Mm -hmm. and aware of it instead of like some kind of footnote in a, in a newspaper somewhere mm-hmm. or something that this is that this is something that um, affects um, people that you know, mm-hmm. and um, but it's some but it but getting it uh, diagnosed with it that doesn't mean that um that that's like the end of life as you know it, or whatever I mean right. that that it's possible that um that you can go on and I mean live your life and, and that that's possible too, that there's, that there's hope um, and that there's a future. um, And then, um, you know, regardless. And so I thought that that was really important. Um, That was something that I really wanted to um, include in the book as well.
1: Mm -hmm. And then also it sounds like maybe the idea that people with bipolar disorder have, kind of rich, complicated, full lives. They're not just the sum total of the bipolar disorder.
0: Correct. Correct. Mm -hmm. You know, this is, this is someone who, you know, the, and uh, uh, Susan is a, you know, she's a wife and she's a mother and she is a tenure track college professor. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I mean, she's an academic. Um, She's, you know, uh, she's a friend she's you know I mean she has all these other things going mm-hmm. on in her life and you know yes and that that's not the only thing that defines your identity right you now that there's that there's more, more to someone than I mean d- well just like somebody who has um you know, heart disease or something that that's not just like the sum total of who they are
3: mm-hmm. so- I, I'll go ahead Amy
1: I was just going to say, it sounds like there are places in your life where you have to be a little bit closeted about this and can't be as completely open as you'd like or where it has to be a little bit discreet.
0: Um, I would say that what I I had been for a very long mm-hmm. time because when I was first diagnosed, that, again, that feels like it's, I mean, you know, that's been almost 16 years ago. And, I mean, um, American society has changed an awful lot. Mm -hmm. in that time period you know when I first started working after my diagnosis I mean I subscribed to a BP magazine and I remember seeing all these articles about you know do you disclose at work or do you not disclose at work and what do you do blah 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 and so and and now I mean that's not at all the stigma that 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 was Mm -hmm. and so when I wrote the book and when the book was accepted for publication I realized that um uh in order to you know really be able to um promote the book um that it I know I, I felt like you know it was probably going to be important for me to be able to share my story and sort of um you know so I mean I, I don't that's not something that I um hide at all anymore mm-hmm. I, mean, I have I have like bipolar t-shirts that I like ordered off Amazon that I wear and stuff mm-hmm. now so. Um, nice. Yeah, mo- most most people. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's like you know, if you want to
1: mm-hmm.
0: think differently of me because of that, then it's like you know that's your loss and not mine. Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah. So you did spend a long time being discreet about it. Uh, what would you like to say, if anything, to people who are kind of still in a position where, for whatever reason, they have to be discreet, can't completely disclose? Well, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh. Well, I mean, that's, that's hard. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I've done it. Yeah, I've done it. Um, But that's hard. I mean, and I can understand that that can be hard for a lot of folks because, I mean, you feel like you're maybe having to hide a part of who you are. Um, And that can be challenging. Mm -hmm. Um, For example, for me, one thing that helped me a lot when I was in that, um, I was in that um, that same situation um, at work because, I mean, for a long time, there were only, I, I told a couple of people that I trusted
3: mm-hmm.
0: um, and knowing that there was at least, you know, a couple of people that knew made me feel better, not just from a, you know, like a like from an identity perspective or anything uh-huh. like that but just from the point of view of I was always very concerned well you know I, I'm a person I don't like to feel like I'm getting backed into a corner somehow and feel <laughs> like I'm like a, like if I'm having an epi you know I'm, I'm, I'm having like a really bad day or a bad episode or something like that and I like you know you know you're, you're you're worried you know well how is that you know I mean if I do the wrong thing at work or something like that, and just mm-hmm. just the knowledge that there was some because I mean that's so much worse for me if, if I'm alone, you know, if I'm mm-hmm. alone and nobody knows, just, right. just just knowing that nobody knows makes that more stressful. Just the very knowledge of that for me, anyway. And so you bring
2: up a good point, though, like. Something that is a big fear, I think for a lot of us who have bipolar is when we have a bad day, are we going to be seen as just having a normal bad day? or are we going to be seen as, oh yeah, she's bipolar
0: or 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 someone who's just acting out and we don't have any idea what this is, you know mm-hmm. I mean people mm-hmm. are, are afraid of that or yeah, but you're but you're totally true. I mean that, that right about that that people um, tend to tend to judge us. You know, um, if we're having it, you know, if it's just a normal bad day, or is this, is this somebody acting bipolar, or whatever, quote, quote, acting bipolar, whatever
3: that means. I don't. Um, <laughs> I find that to be a bizarre statement. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I know, I know, but, but so, so for me, you know, I, I would, I would say to, to someone, you know, I mean, if you're comfortable doing that, let someone, you know, if it makes you feel better, let someone know. So that you can go to that person if you're mm-hmm. having a bad day and be like so so that not everybody knows but one person it would be somebody obviously that you that you trust that you think that that's not going to be that that's not going to be a, a problem um but um but yeah i mean that that does make it a lot harder um and and you know and what i did was like you know like outside of work i mean i have you know i did join a support group not long after i was diagnosed you know and i um, I, still have, um, I still have a good friend, you know, a couple of good friends, you know, that that group doesn't meet anymore, but I still have a couple of good friends from that, that time. And so another thing for, for someone who is not able to, you know, disclose in like, uh, you know, uh, to the, the wider public or whatever, you know, if you have, you know, a trusted friend or a couple of, of trusted friends, you know, you can call, that you can call up and say, you know, this this is what's going on with me, and that it's somebody that's going to understand. I mean, that that helps a lot.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's nice to have. We were talking a lot about support networks. Uh, we've talked a lot about having a support system in a community, um, as you know, as we move on through this show and through the years. And it's really good. It sounds like you've done a really good job um, with building a, a sort of an ecosystem for yourself. Um, that's also supportive and encouraging. Um, and a lot of people don't have that. And I, I think it's pretty it's pretty it's amazing that you're able to do that and uh, and, and still um, accomplish the things that you want to accomplish and also have enough bandwidth to to share a good word to people in the community. Thank you very much for um, those, kind, those, those words of wisdom.
0: Well, thank you all. Like I said, again, for, for having me on here. Um, I, uh uh, 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 I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I've, you know, I can't, I can't say why I've, you know, been able to do that and other people are not. I mean, I, you know, I, you know, in my support group, I mean, I, you know, I had, you know, I mean, I, I knew people who were like, you know, very treatment resistant. And I mean, I always thought that that was just extremely unfair. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've been very uh, fortunate and I do um, have a mindset and a personality that, you know, like I said, I, cause I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd. I take my medicine. Um, I tend to like Susan. I tend to process things by reading Um, and so, I mean, once I was diagnosed, I wanted to find out, you know, about my illness. I, you know, I mean, I just, um, you know, I've, I've tried to do what I've known to do and I've been very lucky to get to be to a place where I have been able to give back in some way to, to help others. And I'm, I'm very hopeful that this book will be, will do that for, for someone, um,
3: I believe it will. And Mm -hmm. thank you very much for coming on. Uh, Amy, thank you for popping in. I know this wasn't your show this week, but it's always cool to have your perspective as well. Uh, Wow. You know, it's kind of like having an Oprah Winfrey show, but like some sort of call in or something. I don't know. I I, I don't know. just totally made that up. Um, So we are, um, Melanie, hang on because I know um, we have a song of the week, and um, it's from her, and it's from you, and we'll let you introduce it to everyone. But in the meantime, we are getting ready for our, our proverb of the week, which is fitting.
2: Yes. Yeah, so because of the holiday on Monday, which I can't say, I always mess it
3: up. It's Rosh Hashanah. Rosh
2: Hashanah. Um, we have a Yiddish proverb, and it is: "Everyone is needed out of the same dough." But not baked in the same oven.
3: Ooh, Melanie, I like that one. Ooh, what? No, honey, why does it? How did why did it resonate Because we're
2: all people, mm-hmm. but we're all different, right? And we all have our own challenges. It's like the whole "be nice to somebody" you don't know what they're going
3: through. That's true. That's very true. Um, Melanie, would you like to uh, sort of respond to that proverb? The proverb of the week.
0: I, I just thought that, that I'd not ever heard that before, but I thought it was very uh, profound because yes, it it, it um, points to sort of our common humanity at the same time as pointing out the fact that you know, everybody is shaped by different circumstances and um, um, baked in different ways. I mean, mm-hmm. So that's that's that. I just I just thought that was very very profound. That's. Very wise,
3: very wise. Well, thank you, thank you, Melanie. Uh, Dr. D, since you're on, you wanna respond this week to this week's proverb of the week?
1: Sure, Uh, first thing that hit me about that was kind of like all the different ways people can be othered. Yes. But looking right back at that sense of like, look, we're all made of the same stuff and we've got the same parts and everything. So that othering, it isn't real. You can pretend all you want to, That you're that different from somebody, but you're not really in a lot of the ways that fundamentally matter. Of
3: of course, unless you have to go to the bathroom and then. And then they're different. And then they're different. Yeah,
1: but even then, you know, there's only so much variety. (laughs) 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 That is very true. That is very true.
2: Okay, so our Mm -hmm. song of the week does come from Melanie. She um, emailed me and let me know what song she wanted. Can you introduce the song and just explain why it means so much to you?
0: Uh, yes, um, I don't know why I can explain why it means so much to me. I guess, um, but I stumbled across this song uh, on an album that I had ordered. I had heard this performer. I think her name is Sarah Jarosh, and I had heard her on a PBS show called Bluegrass Underground um, a couple years ago. And I was really intrigued by her music. And I had ordered a copy of this her album, which is Build Me Up from Bones was the name of the album. Nice. When I started writing The Book of Susan, um, when I write a novel, I tend to have a playlist that sort of starts to treat to whatever the project is that I'm working on. And this song um, was part of that playlist. Um, and I just thought, the name of this is Rearrange the Art. And uh, I thought the song was very evocative. I, I just like the lyrics. and. Um, have this, parent, this person who is in this group of Um space trying to figure out kind of where she is in life and who she is.
3: Excellent.
2: Excellent. Well, thank you so much for being on the show.
3: Yeah, thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. Have a great week. And uh, remember uh, to always, to always, if you have a problem, connect with us on, online. Um, have a great week and be safe out there.
1: Good night.